You're listening to the Quince podcast. Should we be looking at health conditions or the gravity of offence for prisoners seeking interim bail on health grounds in view of the pandemic? Questions on whether it's right or wrong to keep vulnerable under trial prisoners in jail have come up with the case of 79-year-old Telugu poet Varavara Rao who's been imprisoned since the last 2 years over his alleged involvement in the Bhima Koregao case. He had filed for an interim bail citing his frail health and susceptibility to COVID-19 in March but a special NIA court rejected the plea. The court rejected it again for the second time in June. and then rao tested positive for covid-19 on 16 july he said to be severely ill with several neurological issues as well and has been in and out of hospitals since the end of may rao's lawyers then challenged the interim bail plea rejection in the bombay high court but the nia which is probing the case not only opposed it but they called it a quote unquote ruse and accused him of taking quote unquote undue benefit of covid-19 and mr rao isn't the only political prisoner to be denied bail in this pandemic despite the supreme court order on decongesting jails anti ca activists of for that matter others like dr shoma sen sudha bhardwaj gautam navlakha all arrested in the same bhima koregao case who had also applied for bail in view of covid-19 two had their bail pleas rejected Mr Rao is currently admitted to Nanavati Hospital for neurological and urological treatment but is it ethical for an under trial to be refused bail on health grounds in this situation what did the supreme court say about releasing under trial prisoners to decongest jails and why are people like Rao made to be an exception You're listening to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and I'm your host Shorbhi Varavara Rao who's been booked under the UAPA in the Elgar Parishad case for allegedly inciting violence had been lodged in Navi Mumbai's Taloja prison where his health has been deteriorating since the end of May. Rao was taken to JJ Hospital on May 28th after he fell unconscious but he was discharged on June 1st. And a lot of pleas have been coming from activists, writers, poets, academicians from across the world for his release given his frail health. Since his imprisonment is currently being questioned on moral grounds Let's start with this very question. Is it legally ethical to keep a person like Mr. Rao with vulnerable health conditions in jail in these circumstances? And we have the Quince legal editor Vakasha Sachdev joining us in this podcast. I mean to ask whether it's ethical or not. I mean that that is the big question here and I think that's something which runs through all of this because your there is a situation where purely following the rules and purely following the law you're going to say that yes um someone like varavara rao should not be given bail at this point because he's been accused of a very serious offense um he's anyway not uh, not entitled to bail because of the uapa charge because he's been charged with terrorism offenses under uapa so you know i mean the problem is that uh, we have to at the same time be very uh, careful with trying to make this a purely technical legal argument and therefore ethics and morality is important because you are looking at a situation where you are putting people's lives in danger and they're sort of looking at the bare letter of the law and saying okay someone should get bail or not get bail is not particularly correct and unfortunately that's something which the courts have not done here a lot of details on rao's health condition surfaced recently when he was moved to jj hospital on july 13 for tests and his family claimed to have found him lying there 
on a urine soaked bed they not only alleged medical negligence but also a lack of transparency on rao's health status despite his serious health conditions his family claimed in a statement that they have not been officially updated about his health in a joint statement his wife and daughter wrote and i'm quoting a few lines quote it is the family's right to get official and transparent updates on his health status line of treatment and probable risks but the concerned prison police and health administrations have not come to the family with this information not sharing health updates of a person in judicial custody with his family is illegal unconstitutional and inhumane in the absence of official and transparent information speculation rumors and half truths are being spread and these cause further anxiety to family and friends end quote Rao has been behind bars for 22 months and his lawyers told the Bombay High Court that given his health conditions he needs to be taken care of by a family member but the NIA has asked the Bombay High Court to dismiss the bail application claiming that none of this necessitates him to immediately obtain treatment in a multi specialty hospital and i'm reading a line from the NIA affidavit filed by the investigating officer and superintendent of police Vikram Khalate it reads court The appellant accused Varavara Rao under the garb of the current situation on the account of global pandemic COVID-19 and his old age is trying to take an undue benefit. End quote. But his health conditions aren't exactly a secret. Earlier in June, 15 members of the parliament had written to the Maharashtra government asking it to shift Rao to a hospital because of his ailing health. And even though in the past 6 months the NIA hasn't filed any progress reports or supplementary chart sheets, Rao has been denied bail in the peak of the pandemic and this despite the Supreme Court order to state governments to release under trial prisoners to decongest jails. So why are prisoners like Varavara Rao being made an exception to that order? First let's understand what the order states. On 16 March a bench of the Supreme Court headed by Chief Justice S A Bobde took suomoto cognizance and found that all those steps for isolation quarantine and treatment of possible coronavirus patients had been taken in many of the jails the problem of overcrowding continued so a week later the supreme court passed an order directing the setting up of high powered committees in each state and union territory to determine which classes of prisoner could be released on parole or on interim bail and this was a much appreciated order but for a misstep actually looking at it at this point the court had taken up taken up this issue so moto it wasn't as if someone had filed a pil they really seem to be doing the right thing here but then you come to the order itself and they sort of allow uh, a very problematic line to slip in they first give this example and say that okay look when it comes to people who are either accused of or have been convicted of offenses where the punishment is more than 7 years uh, is less than 7 years then those are, those people should be considered for release now because that's this general idea in indian criminal law and you see this across things that if an offense uh, the the punishment is uh, less than 7 years then it's not as serious an offense Uh, without getting into the rights and wrongs of that the 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 problem is that this example was a little bit tricky because it's immediately saying at the start that when you're considering bail in the context of covid and the coronavirus look at the categories of offenses but that's pretty much the wrong approach because you should be instead looking at people who are going to be most vulnerable to it and making sure they're at the top of the list but again if you look at the wording of the order after that as well it says as a force when looking at release of prisoners as a force and it specifically says again you know they they should have regard for the category of offenses now this again is a problem because you've had the, the supreme court 
is who everyone's going to look to uh, for guidance. They're the ones, they, their lead is going to be followed here. And here, the lead which was being followed was saying, okay, you know what, when we're considering uh, trying to reduce overcrowding of jails, let's focus on uh, the categories of offenses. And that's what then happens in the HPCs, uh, in the committees going forward. They all basically just follow what the Supreme Court said without really looking into uh, the, the matter with their own uh, thought and approach. Except for some states, so for instance, interestingly, Haryana actually specifically said, you know, anyone who's above six 60, uh, 65, we have to make sure they get bail, even if, uh, regardless of the offense they've been charged against. But that's just one state out of so many. What this basically means is that those charged under special laws like the UAPA or the NSA or PSA are automatically excluded from getting bail. The sentences in these cases are mostly, are pretty much all above uh, seven years. And when you're looking at your the, the, the political prisoners in question here, the, the, the tragedy is that they're being charged with the very most serious offences under the UAPA. It's not just saying, okay, look, this is unlawful activity, which has a slightly lower, uh, which is not as serious, but even there, the punishment in court. Hey, but at least, you know, it's not as serious and you don't have the embargo on bail there. Uh, but, with the, but these people have all been slapped with sort of proper hardcore terrorism charges or funding terror charges, which all have uh, very, very serious uh, uh, sort of punishment levels in terms of the number of years of imprisonment. So or, already, or, you know, by making categorization of offenses, the categories of offenses, the reason, the basis for deciding who's going to be released, you've already said that you're not going to grant them bail. Uh, now, the interesting thing, of course, is that even if you, um, even if you were to find a way to say that if you look, uh, you know, you can get around that. Even then, the courts haven't really stepped up. So Mihir Desai, uh, senior advocate in Bombay, who's worked on a lot of these UAP cases, he pointed out that in at one of its subsequent meetings, the Maharashtra uh, uh, committee, the high-powered committee, actually said that, you know, uh, we should give due regard to the age of a person. So if there's someone who's uh, over 60 and has comorbidities and is therefore vulnerable to uh, COVID, then we need to consider bail on a case-to-case -case basis. Despite that, obviously, because these cases are so politically charged, when they actually, when there is an attempt to actually ask for bail, as in Varavara Rao's uh, case, uh, the, the, the bail is being refused there. And if you read the kind of reasoning given by the uh, by the NIA or by the authorities to kind of justify it, it's shocking. As you as we've seen with the Varavara Rao, uh, with the NIA, even now that he's got it, now that they're asking for, for interim bail now on the basis of, the, of, of his health, they're saying he's trying to take undue benefit. I mean, this is a, it, it's just a horrifically insensitive approach which the investigation agencies are taking. And, and note that in this case, uh, you know, the, the evidence against Rao and Sudha is, is is pretty terrible. There's a great article in the Indian Express uh, um, over the weekend uh, by uh, Colin Gonzalez where he's pointed out how the evidence against them is actually inadmissible. The moment this, go, this case goes to trial, that case is going to fall apart because the evidence is inadmissible. And yet on the basis of that evidence, they're being kept in jail and denied bail. Given the seriousness of COVID-19 and the kind of impact it has even after recovery, how can courts step in for under-trials like Rao? So, uh, in terms of what the courts can do, as we said, there are some courts, there are some states now where the lower courts can actually grant bail, where an NIA court, which is being asked to provide bail to a person above 60, can 
say, look, you know, even though they're accused of a serious offense, even though the UAP is involved, the HPC has said, I can look at, uh, the judge can say, I can look at uh, their vulnerability and therefore grant them bail. So that's something which, uh, you know, hopefully those courts will be able to do. For other courts, they might find that their hands are a bit tied. But again, there is a pretty, there is a certain amount of discretion which uh, lower court judges still have the, when it comes to bail. But again, as we said, this is something where the lower courts have less authority. So they're mostly bound by whether what the letter of the law says or by what these high-powered committees have said they can do. So for really trying to take this forward, you're going to have to look at the high courts or the Supreme Court. Now, the high courts, for instance, Bombay High Court is hearing Varavara Rao's petition. Hopefully, they will do something here. And, 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 and make sure that he gets some sort of interim bail at this point. Now, obviously, that's not going to stop him from getting COVID, but it would at least maybe ensure that his recovery is not going to be a mess because we know the kind of damage COVID does to people, uh, to their lungs, to their breathing systems. Uh, with, with Rao, he's having a, a number of other side conditions, including neurological problems. Now, those kind of things, you can't say that, you know, there has to be, even if he recovers from the coronavirus itself, there needs to be uh, some understanding that, then, that, you know, he should be given... Uh, proper medical treatment and for that he may need to be given interim bail but the uh, high courts can also do a lot more i think uh, they're the ones who should start looking into the question of saying okay these classifications for how and who should be given interim bail and parole are incorrect and say that look this needs to change uh, that's something which they have in their power to do they can take it up on their own uh, on a suamotu basis or obviously petition the file they can do that when cases like rouse come up before then they need to make sure they pass good orders um, they can also take certain other steps which would help uh, for instance uh, mandating a protocol for treatment of people in, in such situations like with Rao, one of the big problems was that even that leaving aside the question of giving him bail or parole, he should have been given better medical treatment. And this applies whether you're an under trial, whether you're a convict, it should not matter. Um, there's also the question of um, uh, they, they, they need to order more testing as well. There's been very, very minimal testing in these jails. The Loja jail where Rao was uh, based had already seen cases of the coronavirus and yet there was no testing being done even when it was like of someone who was right next to uh, a person with extreme vulnerability. Now remember that you know Rao was in, in the same prison cell uh, as Vernon Gonzalez who was having to look after him who was also above 60 and also at risk uh, thanks to the coronavirus. So, you know, these are the things which the high courts have to look at that maybe build better protocols for treatment, for testing, uh, which they can do. The Supreme Court would hopefully, one can only hope, uh, look into this again, given they had taken this up so more to once. But then again, I, I mean, they're going to have to acknowledge that they got it wrong uh, with the kind of classification they suggested. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section. For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequinn.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quinn's website and check out our other podcasts. 